called uh, So You're Dead Now What? And uh, we've been looking at that experience. So, so what, what happens uh, when we die? And uh, really kind of building up for next week when uh, <clears throat> we answer questions that get turned in. So here's your final notice. Today's the final day that you get to uh, turn in questions. So if you haven't done that yet, get them in uh, so we can uh, be prepared for it next week. But in preparation for that, remember, we kind of been putting the bookends uh, out there. So we kind of last week talked about the reality uh, of hell. And so now we got to get the other end going here. And today we talk about the reality of heaven. So the title is Heaven uh, Help Us, right? Uh, and as we venture into this, we venture talking about what what is heaven going to be like. Um, we kind of do that and uh, we, we use the biblical disclaimer. You know, there's always disclaimers, right? Whatever you do, there's always disclaimer. Isn't it great? The Bible has a disclaimer in it. Uh, it comes out of 1 Corinthians 2 and it says, uh, this is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen nor ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You know what that really says? Like we don't know everything there is to know about heaven. Right? So what we're going to share with you today is, is what Scripture says, obviously, and what seems to be really straightforward. But even as I share it with you today, you've got to understand that uh, it's not the complete picture, because we just don't know the complete picture. We can't. We can't grab that complete picture. And there's only been one person who's uh, been raised from the dead to come back and give us a glimpse of it, right? So we just don't know the whole story, but we can, we can, get, we can glean from Scripture some, some basic learnings and, and some basic teachings. Now, to do that, it's really important today that you grab that insert that you got when you came in, because we're going to go through a lot of Scripture. We're going to go through it really fast, uh, because when it comes to talking about heaven, it's not about taking my word for it, right? You've got to see it uh, in Scripture, because what we're going to talk about today is going to go uh, just in the face of a lot of what's cultural uh, out there, just cultural teaching about what heaven is. And unfortunately, it's just wrong. It's, it's just not biblical. Okay. So what I, my goal today is to just get you into the word and, and take you through a bunch of scriptures to give some basic understandings of what heaven will be like and to destroy kind of those cultural things uh, out there. So you don't buy into that. Okay. You ready? Here we go. First thing, when we talk about what will heaven be, right? What will heaven be? Well, the Bible seems to be clear to say heaven is going to be a new creation. And if you go to Revelations uh, 21, it's the experience of John of Patmos. And he has this vision, remember? And in the vision, he has this vision of what, what heaven is going to be like. And as he describes it, he starts, he says in uh, chapter 21, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Say, new heaven, new earth. Thank you. You're awake. New heaven, new earth. Okay. Uh, and uh, notice it says, says that the old heaven, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> the old heaven <clears throat> and the old earth have disappeared. I suppose it's really bad for me to take a shot up. Why? <coughs> <coughs> well, we'll suffer through it anyway. Okay. So <laughs> it's the only thing there. What am I going to do? Maybe it's water. No, it's wine. It's water. No, it's wine. Kind of goes the other way, doesn't it? Yeah, sorry, okay. I digress. Anyway, here we go. you got to get the concept, right? New heaven, new earth. And what happens to the old heaven and the old earth? It says it will what? Disappear. So the reality of the old earth is not going to be reality anymore. It's going to be new heaven, 
new earth. And he gives you a glimpse of, of its newness by saying that next phrase there, saying, and the sea will also be gone. Now, for those who, who love being, oh, thanks. Great, saving me here. For those who uh, love being on a boat, you know, I mean, I like fishing and stuff. For those who love being on the boat, he's not saying there's not going to be any water, okay? He's, he's just saying that if you look at Scripture, water was always a place of chaos, right? When the disciples were out in the boat, right? What happened when they were out there alone in the boat? A great storm came up, remember? Right, so water was always a place of chaos. So what he's really saying is that there's just not going to be chaos, okay? Uh, but it's going to be different. It's going to be new, right? So what, what, is, what we're used to here in this creation that is broken and marred by sin, it, it's not going to be that way in the new creation. But notice it's going to be a new creation. New heaven, new earth. Now, John is not the only one uh, to show us this. If you look at Jesus, even, in Matthew 19. Hmm. Better. Matthew 19, right away, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they're asking about, you know, what is it going to be like? And he says, I assure you that when the world is made, what? New. When the world is made new. See, he's affirming this idea that, okay, the old world is going to get transformed and it's going to be new. Now, you'll notice that footnote there, you see, when the world is made new and there's a footnote. I put the footnote uh, down at the bottom for you, and it says, or in the regeneration. So what's the image we're getting? This old world that is broken and scarred by sin is going to get restored, renewed, regenerated, or resurrected. Is going to get renewed, restored, or resurrected. See, now, we've, we've talked about the principle in the Bible before, that, that this creation that we're in is now broken, right? It, it's scarred by sin. And, and we, we've taught and we understand that all of creation, all of the universe, the creative process in and of itself is marred by the reality of sin in the world, right? It's broken. And, and so what Scripture is telling us when it comes to heaven, it's not going to be that way because this old earth is going to get recreated. It's going to be new. This old earth is going to be restored, regenerated, recreated into what God originally designed it to be. It is like it's going to be the Garden of Eden all over again. It's going to be back to the place and to the purpose that God created it for from the beginnings of the world. You can see this not only in John of Patmos and not only in Jesus, but give you a couple other references. There's more than this out there. But just to show you that this theme runs through the whole Bible, you got it back in the Old Testament in Isaiah. He says, look, I'm creating new heavens and new earth. And no one will ever even think about the old ones anymore. And then way at the other end, into Second Peter, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. Same theme, right? New heaven, new earth. The old becomes transformed into that which is new, right? If you want to capture it, Romans 8 probably brings this whole teaching, this whole understanding kind of into one com compact place. 
It says, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day. What's the future day? When Jesus comes back, right? When the resurrection happens, when Jesus comes back, that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Do you get it? So as it happens with God's children on Resurrection Day, as we get resurrection, resurrected and recreated, so the entire universe is resurrected and recreated. A new heaven and a new earth. Now what's the important thing here? Well, one of the important things is to realize that heaven is going to be a real place. It's going to be physical. So, so all these, these images out there that culture is telling you about, you know, sitting on the cloud playing your harp and, and using some kind of toilet paper, right? I mean, uh, isn't that the, the commercial, right? Yeah. I mean, what? No, not, not, not at all. You know, or, or just spirits, Casper the Friendly Ghost, you know, spirits floating around in a, some heavenly kind of existence. I mean, no. What, what the Bible is saying is, listen, this is going to be a real place and it's going to be physical. That, that we will have a physical existence for eternity. That, that, that the same image of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning when God first designed it is the same image that the scripture continues to give us about heaven. It's going to be a real place. It's going to be a vis physical place. It is going to be God restoring all of creation and all of the universe back to its original purpose before sin even entered into the world. You with me? Okay, follow through on this now. So if this is the image of, of heaven, that it's a real place, and it's physical, the next question then becomes, well, what about us? Well, when it comes to us, it means heaven's going to be for us a real place with real people with real bodies. It's physical. And so it's going to be a real place with real people with real bodies, right? And if you look at Romans 8 and you keep going in Romans 8, it says, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believe also, uh, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit with us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too, Wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. Notice, including the new bodies he has promised for us. We were given this hope when we were saved. What are we going to get? New bodies. You better like what you got, people. This is it. Right? New bodies. But those new bodies come out of our old. That our old bodies, what we got now, because they're under the curse, they're under the power of sin, they're under the brokenness like the rest of creation, they become the kernel of what our heavenly bodies will be like. If you follow Paul, Paul says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Say transformed. Transformed. 
Get it in there. We're going to be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we are a living will also be transformed. Now notice, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. What happens? Our mortal bodies are the kernel, the seed. And out of our mortal bodies, we will be transformed to immortality. If, if you want to grab it and bring it all together, you go to 1 John uh, 3. And it, and it kind of gives us kind of the, the image and the example of what's going to happen to us, right? And the image, of course, is what happened to Christ. John says, dear friends, we already... We are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we'll be like when Christ appears. But we do know, here's what we do know. We do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. We will be like who? Jesus. So it is with Jesus. So it is with us. What happened to Jesus? His mortal body died on the cross and they took his mortal body and they put it in a grave and three days later what happened he rose and what came out of the grave an immortal transformed body and when Peter and John and the other disciples ran into the tomb what did they find there they found that Mary taught him really well, and he folded up his clothes before he left. But the bottom line is, he left. There was no body. Why? Because his mortal body had been transformed to immortality. And so when he appeared in a room and the doors were locked and the windows were closed and all the disciples were there, when he appeared in that room, they said, it is the Lord. How could they know that? Because they recognized him, because they could see the wounds in his hand and the wounds in his feet. What happened? His mortal body took on immortality. And the Bible says, if that's the way it is for Jesus, that's good enough for us. That's what's going to happen to us. That our mortal bodies will be transformed and take on immortality. That on that last day, when resurrection comes, the graves will open up and we will rise out of those graves and our bodies will become like his, immortal. Now, there's a foretaste of this, and a lot of people miss this in Scripture. I didn't put it in your notes, but you're going to want to write this citation down. Ready? Quick, grab a pen. Quick. You're going to want to remember this if you don't write it down, okay? It's in Matthew 27, verse 52. Matthew 27, verse 52. Remember that. Go look it up when you get home. What you're going to find there is on Jesus' death, saints were raised from the dead. A lot of people miss that. When he died and was resurrected, other people, other saints, were resurrected from the grave. What happened? It says they came out of their graves, they took on immortality, and they went into the city and they appeared to people and they were known. They were recognized. 
What does this do for us? Well, we already got it. Heaven is a real physical place. And we're going to be real physical bodies. And we're going to be recognized. We're going to be recognized. As it is with Jesus, so it is with us. You see, it answers one of those questions out there that is floating around saying, well, Jesus, am I going to know people up there? I mean, my relatives and everything? I mean, am I going to know my wife? Am I going to know people up there? You got that question, right? You just got the answer. They recognized Jesus. They recognized those others who were the foretaste, who, who rose on the day of his death and resurrection. They recognized, the, it seems to be, the biblical teaching, yeah, absolutely, we're, we're going to recognize. You, you're going to know people up there. And you better like the people in this room who are saved because you're going to see them for a long time. Right? Now, some people push that and they ask the question and they say, well, okay, if we're going to be physical and we're going to be recognized, so how old are we going to be? So this is where the disclaimer comes in for me. And I said, you know, I don't know about that, but I can tell you this. Okay, I can tell you this. There's some who believe that when you read this statement here, here's what we know. We will be like him. Okay, we will be like him. It includes an image and an understanding. How old was Jesus when he died? 32, 33, right? You better like who you were when you were 32 or 33. It could be the way you are for eternity. Think about it. But think about also. It means that those who die are children, who die young, they'll know the joy of being an adult. You see, what is he going to do? He's going to make all things new. It is a restoration of all creation. You see, it takes us to the next step of understanding heaven is going to be all right. That is, everything's going to be right. right. Every injustice that was in the broken and scarred world will not exist anymore. Everything that was wrong in the broken, sin-scarred world will not exist anymore. John grabs it this way. He says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Did you get that? You see, if there is anything in your life that has caused one tear, it will be gone. No more in heaven. If your body's in pain, not in heaven. If you're emotionally distraught, if you're tra trapped in depression, not anymore. Not in heaven. If you have children who have physical problems or were born with defects, not, not in heaven. They're going to be perfect. Not in heaven. They're going to be perfect. You see, he's telling us when he does this work of recreation of the universe and recreation of our bodies. He's going to do a work that makes everything absolutely right. And when you go to work tomorrow and you're feeling stress and you're feeling the oppression of this world and you, and you're, you know, have the gut-wrenching moments and experiences, listen, heaven is going to make it right. 
you've got something to look forward to. It will not last. Whatever you're in right now, whatever the experience is putting that tear on your uh, cheek, it will not last. He says it clearly. There will be no more death. There's no more sorrow. There's no more crying. And there's no more pain. Everything in heaven is going to be right. It's going to be right. And beyond that, and this is a great one, beyond that, not only is going to make everything right, but you can let him make every injustice right. So if you're one of those folks who lives in a world and you feel like, man, it's just not fair, never, never does anything seem to go your way, never do you seem to catch a break, never does it seem to work out the way you think it ought to work out, that somehow everything just seems against you, not in heaven. He's going to make everything right. And so if there are people who have wounded you, there's people who have treated you unjustly, there's people who have taken advantage of you, and you may say in your gut, man, I want to get even, I want to get back at them, you don't have to. Let it go. Get rid of it. Because his job is to make everything right. He'll make it right. He'll settle accounts. You don't have to. Heaven is a place where things are going to be set right. He says in uh, Matthew 3, He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into the barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. You don't have to worry about it. He's going to make every injustice in your life right. So let it go. You with me? Heaven is a real place. It's a physical place. Our bodies are going to be physical bodies. And heaven is going to be a place where all of the stuff all of the burden, all of the anxiousness, all of the hurt, God is going to make that right. Here's the other last cool thing about heaven. Not only going to do all that, heaven is going to be a place where we are going to fully know, right? I mean, we're fully know, God fully knows us now, but heaven is going to be a place where we will know everything fully. Okay, so I bet a lot of you are probably uh, like me. You're one of those folks that says, man, I can't wait to get to heaven because I want to get in that line where I can just talk to God and say, so how come, right? How come in my life this had to happen? How, how come? Anybody else want to be in that line? Nobody wants to be in that line. I want to be in the line, don't you? How come? God, how come that had to happen? How come this had to happen? How come that had, it just doesn't seem right. How come, right? The cool thing is, in Scripture, it says there'll be no line. You won't need to stand in line. Because you will fully understand for the first time what you cannot fully understand now, but what God already does. Here's, here's where it's captured. 1 Corinthians 13. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know only in part, right? Then I shall, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. What's he saying? Listen, God fully understands everything in your life right now. He knows everything. And he is working every single moment in your life for the betterment and for the good of you and his kingdom. That's what he's doing. But you can't fully understand that. You can't fully see that now. You can't see the whole picture that God sees about your life. But when you get to heaven, you'll get it. You'll see it. You'll understand it. How will you get it? How will you see it? 
for the first time in your existence, you will look God face to face. And when you see him face to face, you will have no questions. You will understand for the first time how he continually worked for your good. And the questions will disappear. Heaven will be a real place where God's going to make everything right. And it's going to be a place where God is going to be with us in a way we can't fully experience right now. We can have a foretaste of it. We can walk with them as best we can. But when we get into heaven, it's going to be a place where we are going to have the closeness and the nearness of God that we just can't even imagine. And everything is going to be right. A couple of quick things that we've got to understand. One of the hard things of all this teaching and this truth about heaven is that the reality is heaven is a place where God's people are going to be and not everybody's going to be. Culture wants to believe that, right? That everybody gets there. It's just not in the word. Revelations 22, it says outside the city dogs, uh, the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, sexually immoral, the murderers, idolaters, uh, those who live a lie. What's the lie? That somehow life is all about them. It's not. It's all about God. It's a lie to think that life is all about you. And that's what the world wants to teach us. It's just not true. Life is all about God. And if we go to Matthew 7, he makes it clear. Only a few, only a few are going to get that, understand that, and experience the joy of everything being what it should be in the kingdom of heaven. That should give us such a burden to share the word, don't you think? To share this truth, what we hear, right? Last one. And this is the powerful one for you tomorrow. Ready? This is where it applies to tomorrow. If you're with me on all this stuff, you need to understand not only is heaven real, but heaven is our real home. Heaven's our real home. And if heaven is our real home, this world is not. See, so many of us live like the only important thing is this world. And it's not. The only important thing is what God has prepared for us in the kingdom of heaven. We should have our priorities in such a place that we can let go of this world like that. Because this world is nothing compared to the kingdom of heaven. This world is nothing compared to the kingdom of heaven. The verse that captures that is in Psalm 83. Psalm 83 says what? A single day in your courts is better. Did you see that? One day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. You see, I want you to think about this. You were made, you were made for heaven. You weren't made for this world. It's a broken place. This is not what we're made for. We were made for heaven. And, and we got to live like heaven-bound people. Not people of this world. Heaven-bound people. And if we're heaven-bound people, then we're going to live different. We're going to live different than the rest of the people in this world because this is not our home. Heaven is our home. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, heaven being our home. Thank you for just what you prepared for us. And we can't discern everything about it. We can't understand everything there is to. But God, just give us that glimpse. Help us to take home today uh, just what we need to know so that we can live a different life tomorrow. And not live a lie, but we can live the truth that heaven is our real home. And uh, Lord, we're just going to trust you and we're just going to make you the center of our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.